Uh, welcome everyone to the first ever World Woman Movement African Iron Deficiency As Symposium, uh, which is being hosted by Whole Woman Movement in partnership with Amakosigas Media. Well, uh, as we are starting this uh, symposium, I would like to first thank everyone who is watching online and everyone who is joining us on Facebook and other various media platforms. Uh, stay connected as this engagement will shed more light on our indigenous food, fruits and iron deficiency. Uh, to open this up, we have uh, an interesting lineup uh, with the first person who's going to define to us what iron deficiency really is and also uh, how nutrition is a major contributor to iron deficiency anemia. So joining us for this uh, topic is Dr. Nomakukunlovu, who is uh, the director of Maximize Nutrition and also uh, a nutritionist and food science lecturer. Doc, over to you. Can you please shed more light on what iron deficiency is so that as we are engaging and discussing today, we are able to discuss things that we know and things that uh, we are sure that it's what people are experiencing. Over to you, Doc. Thank you very much, um, Rumbi, and good evening, everyone. Um, it's an honor and a privilege to be part of this um, discussion. So, most people are probably wondering why we're even fussing, why are we even talking about iron deficiency, um, you know? So one third of the world's population is suffering from iron deficiency in one form or another. And um, our bodies need iron primarily, primarily because it helps to transport oxygen to our cells where it's needed. So, I'll define what iron deficiency is. So this is a condition that's characterized by an inadequate total iron in the body, or in simpler terms, I'll just say um, a, to a total iron content which is lower than what is needed by the body. So it's usually diagnosed in the lab using a lab test which measures the serum ferritin. So the common symptoms of iron deficiency are fatigue, feeling tired and exhaustion, having a very pale skin, uh, brittle hair and nails. When we talk of uh, brittle hair and nails, we're talking of hair and nails that easily break. They, don't, they are not strong enough. They easily break. They don't have um, a firm structure. And then, other symptoms include shortness of breath, feeling dizzy, palpitations, and then abnormally fast heart rate. So I know everyone thinks that iron deficiency is um, anemia, but these are two different things. Of course, one leads to another. So there are three stages um, of iron deficiency. So the first one is um, a low total iron in the body. And then the second stage is an inadequate iron 
to support the formation of red blood cells in the blood. And then the last one, which is the final stage is the anemia, iron deficiency anemia. So in this case, we have very little hemoglobin in the body. Now this is iron deficiency anemia. So I just want to clarify that the difference between iron deficiency is that in between iron deficiency anemia and um, iron deficiency is that in iron deficiency anemia, you've reached the final stage, um, which means that you have very low levels of hemoglobin in your blood because there's no iron to manufacture the hemoglobin or there's very little iron to support the formation of hemoglobin in your body. But when it's simple, when it's simply iron deficiency, it means that your red blood cells are fewer. It means that your total iron um, is just below what your body requires. So I also just want to say who is at risk of iron deficiency anemia or iron deficiency. So anyone with an increased demand for iron is at risk of becoming iron deficient. For example, infants, children in preschool, adolescents, particularly the menstruating girls, because they are losing a lot of iron every month. And then we also have pregnant women because they've got increased demand in their bodies. And then we also have postpartum or the lactating women because they are still recovering from the pregnancy. They've been using up a lot of iron to support the fetal growth. And then also, um, anyone else who is consuming a diet that is made up of non-available sources of iron. Because sometimes we assume that because we're eating um, a particular food that's high in iron, so we're definitely getting it into our system. But at times, it's not always the case. There are some food sources whose iron is not in an available form. So it means that even if we ingest that food, we're not getting enough of that iron into our bloodstream. And then also anyone else who's got a digestive system which is malfunctioning and cannot absorb enough of the iron from the food that they are eating. Um, I think I've covered enough. I could go on to talk about the effects, um, but maybe let me move on and talk about uh, the role of nutrition and maybe give a few nutritional considerations when someone is having iron deficiency. So iron deficiency anemia is highly preventable and it's treatable. That's one thing I want to say. So I'm going to share a few nutritional considerations for anyone who suspects that they have anemia or anyone who has iron deficiency. So it's important to eat whole grains, dried fruit, nuts, seeds, and green vegetables. These are very good sources of the of what we call the heme iron, the one that's readily available in the body for absorption, because there are two forms. There's heme iron and non-heme iron. Heme iron is the one that is easily absorbed in the body. And then non-heme iron is a bit more difficult. It's not as available as heme iron. So, but your whole grains, your nuts, your seeds, and your green vegetables are very good sources. And then um, fruits that are high in vitamin C can help with absorption of iron. Your vitamin C, you get it from your strawberries, your broccoli, and your orange juice. 
So vitamin C helps to facilitate absorption of iron. So if you are eating foods that are high in vitamin C, it means that you are, you are more likely to absorb more iron from your, from your meals than someone who doesn't eat vitamin C foods. And then also particularly those people that overdo eggs and dairy foods are at risk of not absorbing enough of the iron because the calcium in these products interferes with the absorption of iron. There is what is called nutrient-nutrient interactions. So some nutrients actually inhibit the absorption of other nutrients and some actually favor or promote um, the absorption of certain nutrients like your vitamin C, it promotes the absorption of iron, but your calcium inhibits. So for anyone who suspects that they could be iron deficient, they have to sort of reduce the calcium containing foods and increase the vitamin C foods. And also, I don't know if a lot of people know about this, but it's important to avoid drinking tea and coffee with your meals if you suspect of if you suspect you have a poor iron status because your teas and your coffees has what have what we call um anti-nutritional factors and so these also inhibit absorption of your iron and then also for pregnant women it's important to boost your iron before pregnancy so that by the time you, you by the time you are pregnant, your body stores are already adequate enough. And then for those that are nursing mothers, breast milk is the best. We all know that breast milk contains almost all the nutrients that are required by the baby, including your iron. And then lastly, I know a lot of people like to take supplements. Yes, supplements are good, but you need to take this with your doctor or nutritionist's recommendation because too much of some of these nutrients becomes toxic. Okay, you, okay. Yeah. Thank you very much, Doc, uh, for the presentation. I really learned a lot here. Like um, to even learn that there's three stages of iron deficiency. I, I just thought if you are iron deficient, you are iron deficient and you end up being anemic. There is no stage whatsoever. So now um, I'm realizing that this is a process. And also thank you for mentioning the fruits and the foods that one can eat because uh, today we're looking at uh, how our indigenous fruits can help in alleviating this iron deficiency pandemic that is affecting Africa and African women. Uh, as we know that, uh, as Doc said, that at least one third of the world is iron deficient-ish. This means that this is a really, really um, big pandemic. So moving on, we have one of our indigenous experts, uh, Makosi Matlangu, who's joining us. Uh, Makosi is a director of African Food Revolution and a healthy eating and living activist. Uh, so Mr. Makosi, welcome to the convention and the symposium tonight. Um, good evening to everyone. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on the forum and to talk about uh, what we have indigenously in, in terms of 
our food and how it contributes to the topic we are talking about. So um, I'll just start by thanking Doc Norma on what she has been talking about, about uh, um, the, the, the sources of iron. Uh, I think she mentioned things like uh, protocols. But I, I, I come with the new dimension where we, we go back to the past. And uh, my main focus is on the African village. So you realize that as women, it's, we have to look at where they used to get their iron from and where they still get their iron from. I think one source of that, um, for instance, is uh, the sand. Um, we call it in Tavati, where people just eat it. So it's a source of, of iron. Uh, although I think uh, uh, if in the modern uh, days, they want you to use supplements, but I think the sand, from my own perspective, works equally uh, better than, than the, the supplement. Then um, we, we go to, uh, when we talk about indigenous food, we talk about so many aspects of indigenous food. We talk about indigenous food, indigenous vegetables, the meat. Uh, we talk about uh, the milk. We talk about functional foods, the fermented foods. We talk about, uh, so there's so many aspects. And then when we talk about it culturally, you realize that, uh, first of all, in the setup, uh, there was, um, women were given uh, goat to eat. So mainly they consumed a lot of goat milk. So if you look at goat milk, uh, I think Dr. Noma talked about it. There's a thing called bioavailability of iron. So in goat's milk actually improves the bioavailability of uh, iron in the system. So I do not know where our forefathers learned that from, but that's also science. And then from there, uh, we go to our normal, uh, which we call empulin, which is the traditional kitchen. So you find that there's so many aspects that are there when you go to the kitchen, especially when we're having our our dinner with our grandmother when she's telling us all the stories, uh, the folk tales, uh, the numerous dishes that come up. For instance, it depends on the season, on when we're having probably uh, meat-based uh, products, uh, whether it's in winter and we have fish meat because of the cold weather. So you realize that we have fish, um, uh, fresh meat uh, with lots of soup, uh, which we call umfuzi, uh, which is also high in iron. And then uh, you also look at uh, the various vegetables, uh, the green vegetables, ripovola, which are pumpkin leaves. You look at ulute, uh, um, which is uh, the, the um, uh, um, but I'll just, I'll just leave it at, uh, I forgot the scientific name. Then uh, we have um, things like uh, blackjack, uh, Biden's uh, pilosa. Uh, so it was a mix of everything. And uh, to, to, to cook those meals, we used to use 
um, fresh cream. So fresh cream also has an effect on 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 bioavailability of iron uh, as compared to as compared to cooking using uh, the milk. So that's from the vegetable aspect, the meat aspect. And then there's one interesting thing uh, during the dry season, uh, that's October, uh, you realize that in our heart, we had uh, the head where we used to make the fire. So that was basically where we store our grains on top, uh, just by the, the roof. And there was a lot of smoke that used to come out there. So the smoke, uh, if you realize that smoke, smoke meat product, smoke uh, grains have got a higher value of iron. Uh, so uh, there was a lot of iron that we were consuming uh, just within one place, uh, within the house. And uh, after we would consume everything, uh, the grandmother would roast nuts uh, from the papa tree in Kelo, which are also high in, in, in iron. So the number of dishes I've talked about in one sitting is probably about eight dishes, which generally increases uh, the, uh, the, the, the range of dishes that we have. So uh, it means at the time we had different sources of iron as compared to what we are having now where we've got probably everyone is eating the same type of meals. They were, we're just having our rice and our chicken and our coleslaw and we're not really getting much uh, and we're not having as many indigenous foods as we could have. Remember uh, in my book where I wrote about 40 different trees with all different varieties of iron. So uh, when we used to sit in the kitchen, we'd have so many different foods. Uh, you would have probably five different foods uh, in the city. And then we also had insects. Uh, I won't uh, leave out insects, the Mopani worms, the, uh, the termites, uh, the grasshoppers. So it, it, it was just a mix of uh, uh, food which contributed a lot of stuff of iron. So what we have at the moment is that we've reduced uh, our dietary diversity score and it, it's really low. So we've got this small um, food stuff. Uh, like for instance, you look at the modern uh, plate, just got a few uh, uh, food stuff, like the coleslaw, the green salad, uh, the rice. And if you look at all those uh, um, different uh, food stuff, they've got my, uh, small portions of, of iron. And when you look at what they have in in the rural areas during, let's say, the rainy season, there's a diversity. There's uh, okra. Uh, there's um, a lot of stuff. And also another important element that we used to use, uh, especially when we used to probably cook uh, things like okra, we used to use ash. So ash is also another source of iron. So it's, it, it, it was diverse and we didn't have this problem where we would have anemia 
Ghana came and got uh, colonized and we started eating fish and chips and we, we started having just nothing to eat, I, I have to say that. Uh, so that has affected us so much that um, it's, it's now a problem where we, we have people now taking supplements, but naturally our environment used to provide everything. So um, if, you, if you get to the rural areas, I think uh, during the summer season, when they harvest things from, from, from uh, their fields, uh, I think their iron um, levels tend to increase. And also looking at uh, even, we have instances in some cases where uh, women are hurting cattle in, in some villages. So we also have the wild foods. We have also what we call the, the wild troopers, which are there, which are also high in, 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 in iron. So just walking, uh, we've heard of people like from our village, people walk for like 20 kilometers. But where they walk is strategic walking. They walk through places where we have um, trees, um, edible uh, trees with uh, various nutritional components of, of, of iron. So that's what I can say about the traditional aspect. It, it, it was so broad and we had different sources, but that's been killed by uh, colonization and the new food movement. Okay, okay, that's a lot. <laughs> I'm trying to take it all in, like, uh, it's really a lot, like uh, what you've been talking about. It seems like we should really go back to the rural areas. I think that's where <laughs> we can have our health fixed. I think maybe that's where we got it all wrong, hey? getting always the nice. But uh, moving on, actually, we have uh, Tracy Mapumo. She is one of the people who uh, she has, uh, she, she's also a science research, uh, a scientist who majors in indigenous foods. And also uh, she cooks some of the indigenous foods. I've seen her work. So Tracy, can you help us? to like maybe shed more light on how do you think indigenous foods can contribute to the fight against iron deficiency from your own perspective as a researcher as well. Thank you very much. Um, I'm so delighted to be part of this discussion and I'm honored as well to be sharing my insights. Um, I'm a plant enthusiast, so I'm more inclined on the plants. Sorry, my, my network um, was interrupted, so I missed what the previous pre presenter was talking about, so hopefully I will not repeat, uh, but we're looking at the nutritional profiles or what the scientists have done in the past, there's been some um, level of profiling indigenous foods or indigenous, um, okay, I was gonna say plants, indigenous foods, African indigenous foods. So these are foods that are of African origin or have been introduced to Africa, but have been consumed uh, over a, a long period of time, such that they are now part of our traditional diet. 
So if we are to look at, for example, the, the cereals, looking at small grains, the sorghum, the finger millet, pearl millet, in comparison to maize or rice, they've got uh, relatively higher iron content. Um, thanks to Doc Nomagugu for explaining that some of the iron might not be available. So there's also uh, more that needs to be done on that. But looking at our, our, our crops that are adapted to our environment, millets are actually way better than consuming rice, consuming maize um, on, a single, on a daily basis. And then uh, what, what struck me the most are the vegetables. In, in West Africa alone, there are over 1,000 vegetables, indigenous vegetables that, that are consumed. And if you are to look at some of them, we also consume them here in Zimbabwe. And if you're to compare the iron content uh, compared to the spinach or any other vegetable that has been uh, researched on extensively, they've got a higher iron content. For example, um, um, amaranth leaves, which we call moa in Shona or Imboya, if I'm right, in Debele. And then uh, spider plant, which is Nyeve or Ulude. <laughs> yeah, I think. So this, the spider plant actually is very phenomenal if you are to compare it to other leafy vegetables. So we've got these uh, vegetables that can provide um, significant amounts of iron and we've got them around us and they're not like uh, difficult to produce some of them are wild vegetables or something like baobab leaves I, I actually recently understood that in most of the rural Zimbabwean communities they consume um, baobab leaves as a vegetable and in other countries as well and its iron content is significantly high compared to other vegetables conventional vegetables that we've been consuming and um even insects, for example, uh, mopaneworm, or most of the caterpillars, uh, some of them, <laughs> they, are ju they just fall under caterpillars. In China, you've got the aratis, the magandari, all those. Um, they are rich in iron as well. So we don't have to look uh, very far from what, what is around us. Or even wild fruits, indigenous fruits. Um, tamarind is actually like phenomenal in terms of its iron content. Though there are some anti-nutritional uh, factors that can come in. So that's where we've got research gaps in trying to find out which, which of the foods uh, that we have provide um, readily available iron and uh, which of these actually are uh, exceptional in terms of providing iron. And if you were to look at legumes or pulses, we all know that sugar beans is um, iron, iron, but if we were to compare it to bambara nut, bambara nut is nimo uh, uh, or round nut. <laughs> it's way, it is way uh, more iron compared to, to other pulses. And we also have cowpeas. So we've got these things uh, growing in our environment. And sometimes it's a matter of uh, perception, yet they, they can provide a solution and help us combat um, iron deficiency. I don't know if you want me to go on or you've got um, other questions. Actually, 
actually uh there is something that i've been meaning to ask to say where are we going wrong because like you are mentioning things that i know and i'm sure that everyone in this conversation and those online they also know all these uh foods indigenous foods where are we going wrong because uh if we all know this I, I think if we all knew this, I, I think our iron status would be way better than what it is right now. So where are we going wrong? Uh, maybe as scientists, is there not enough research uh, being made on indigenous plants by African scientists? Or where are we going wrong as a scientist? Please. Do. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, so there is <laughs> obviously or definitely uh, uh, where we are, go we are getting it wrong. Um, I understand and I've realized that scientists have done some work, have done some research on indigenous foods, but it's not given much attention or priority in comparison to the conventional crops, which are not even adapted to our environment. So um, there's need for more research and development. So not only research, but in development or innovation of uh, food products that where we can incorporate indigenous ingredients. Uh, so even the usual recipes that we, we follow, we can incorporate, if you're, if you're gonna use uh, an, an orange then, or a lemon, you can use baobab fruit powder. That, that's an example. If you're gonna use sugar beans, you can use um, nemo or bambara nut. If you're if you gonna use spinach, you can use amaranth leaves or the plant uh, leaves or uh, any other there's uh, a friend of mine was telling me about one of the actually I asked them about one of the leafy vegetables which is mostly consumed in West Africa or, or in Cameroon it's it's called nightshade but uh, it's highly uh, rich in, in iron but we probably have it in Zimbabwe but the documentation of whether we have it or not, or whether it's consumed or not. So we don't have enough information. So there is need for us to focus or prioritize indigenous foods in our research, in our development, in applications in food manufacturing, incorporating fruit powders in, for example, beverages. So we have to shift our focus from the conventional way of doing things and be more innovative and also uh, raising awareness. To, to let people know, to let consumers know that they've got this, uh, the solutions around them, it's actually closer to them than to uh, start saying, okay, um, I need to do, I need to grow spinach, yet you've got Nieve or Ulude growing around you. <laughs> it doesn't even need attention from you. So that's where we, we need to focus on. And also harnessing uh, indigenous knowledge from those who've gone before us. Uh, so probably some of these ingredients or foods were consumed uh, more often uh, than now, but uh, because we might not know how to prepare them or how to grow them. So there is also need to harness uh, such indigenous knowledge in addition to other scientific research. So we need evidence-based advocacy. If you're gonna raise awareness, we need scientific data to bake up our, our like, uh, movement, for example, yeah. So that's what I would say. Um, and then also if we are to carry out research, 
they also need to create, for example, a database on nutritional information of every indigenous, African indigenous food. So none of them should be left behind. So we can't say uh, they are lost crops, we can't say they are underutilized uh, food, uh, food sources because we are realizing that they have potential to combat uh, iron deficiency and to solve our problems in Africa. Hope I answered yeah. that. Uh, yeah, you really did answer and spiked a lot of other questions as well. But thank <laughs> you so much for telling us that uh, there is need for innovation as well and need to uh, upgrade our products, our African indigenous fruits. Uh, and that takes us to our next speaker, uh, Mr. Sylvester Chabuka. Uh, he's, uh, he majors in food processing. So I think he's able to tell us what we need, what we need and how best we can do all those other things. So Mr. Chabuka, please tell us how best can we make sure that people access our indigenous foods? Because right now, if you tell me uh, to get bambara nuts, I can probably get them from an African food market. Uh, speaking from a Wulawai person's perspective, I can get them from an African food market. And not everyone because the, you know, the environment is not really friendly. So how best can we take our indigenous fruits and foods to the people and how can we market them well? Over to you, Sylvester. Oh, it seems like we have lost him. Uh, so I'll take the question. Hello. And oh, you are back. Yes, please. Uh, did you get the question? Sylvester. Yeah, really network is being a big problem here. Uh, I, as he is connecting, I'm sure we can move uh, on to Rumbi. Uh, Rumbi is one of the people who can best uh, show us the way forward on how we can ensure that our indigenous meals, uh, they have maximum iron absorption in the body and also how we can make our traditional cuisines less time and energy consuming. Uh, Rumbi, please shed more light on how best we can prepare these indigenous foods. Because for some people, they can tell you uh, maybe it's time consuming. You know, these days, a lot of people use prepaid disaster tokens. Maybe it consumes a lot of electricity. So how best can we incorporate all these cuisines and ensure that our iron status is always above board? Thank you very much, Rumbi, and um, good evening, everyone. I am happy to be 
Yeah, with you. Oh, I hope you can hear me loud and clear. Yes, very loud and clear. Thank you very much. Okay, so um, as we know, as you have just said also, that our foods, um, in particular the legumes, the dried legumes, they take longer to cook. Um, and I have found that, well, compared to their fresh counterparts, for example, um, fresh uh, beans, sugar beans versus dried sugar beans, obviously the fresh ones take a shorter time to cook. Um, but I found that when it comes to the dried ones, it's easier to soak them overnight. It will reduce the cooking time, um, that the, the overall cooking time. And um, when it comes to some, some of these things, we really can't run away from them um, because it depends on the ingredient that we're dealing with. Um, but for things like uh, nieve, which is quite bitter, you do need to, to, to boil it for a, a little while longer than your usual, for example, when you're cooking spinach, so that you can get rid of the bitterness. But the key thing is that we need not to throw away that water that would have boiled, because that's where our iron and the other nutrients will be in. So what we can do is those that are, are brave enough, they can drink that liquid, or we can save that liquid and use it in our stews, for example, or in making soups or anything that we'll need to use um, any liquid when, when you're cooking. That is liquid gold because it will be rich with iron and other nutrients that we need. Um, and they, when it comes to, you know, how, how we can absorb or ensuring maximum absorption of iron in the body from the foods that we eat, um, I'm sure most of us know that in order to absorb iron, the body needs the help from vitamin C. It cannot absorb iron by itself. So this means that when we are cooking, we need to combine foods that have or that are rich in vitamin C in order for the iron to be absorbed completely or in a better way in the body. So, you know, the previous speakers spoke about um, baobab fruit and those such ingredients uh, are great because they also contain some vitamin C. So uh, as, as we probably may know, vitamin C contains a lot, I mean, biobab contains a lot more vitamin C than oranges, which a lot of people referred to, uh, refer to as being good sources of vitamin C. So when you're having biobab, you have your iron, you have your vitamin C all in one, and um, your body can digest and absorb that um, very well. You also have um, ingredients like pumpkin leaves, mubora. Those are great in um, a great source of iron and they're also um, very rich in, in vitamin C. So when you're having your mubora, when you cook it, when you stew it, when you add, um, you know, when you add tomato and onion to it or just tomato, you are already having vitamin C in there as well as the iron. So your body will, will, will absorb the iron very well. 
Um, Tracy mentioned um, black nightshade. And uh, it's, it's interesting to know that we do have it here in Zimbabwe. And uh, actually in Manikaland, it's known as musungu sungu, that vegetable. So we do have it. And as she was saying that, you know, documentation is important. We have our, our grandmothers, our grandfathers, those that are from previous generations, they know these vegetables, these or other, you know, people may call them weeds, the edible weeds. The mutsine, for example, is very rich in, um, in, in iron. So those, those foods, if, if, if they can be documented and um, people know about them, that they are rich in this. There's also a very interesting one, another one that is called from, from Manikaland. It's called Teketera. I'm not sure if many of you, any of you know it, but it's, uh, you probably may know it because it grows in just about almost every um, backyard. In, in Shona, it's called, um, sorry, in English, it's called Chiku. If you can Google that up, you, you will find an image of what chickweed or teketera looks like. And um, it's another very nutrient dense vegetable. It is said from research, it is said to, to be containing 83 times more iron than spinach. And we know spinach is one of those vegetables that are said to, to contain lots of iron. So we do have a lot of these here in, in Zimbabwe, in Africa, um, that we, we need to embrace and include in our diets. Um, when it comes to cooking, as well as what Tracy said, being creative is what is key, especially with the younger generation. Um, Baobab became included in smoothies, in making pancakes, even our grains like, grains like sorghum, we can make sorghum pancakes or finger millet pancakes. That also deals with the time aspect because pancakes don't take time to cook. A smoothie doesn't take time to prepare. When you're doing a salad, you can include that chickweed that I talked about, you know, for example, uh, um, a, a, a chickweed salad with uh, tomatoes, maybe some nuts or some um, nemo, which are, you know, which the other speakers have mentioned that they are really good sources of iron. So the key is to be creative in the cooking and to um, think outside the box, prepare things that will not lose the nutrients, but that are still appealing to, to everyone. And I think the, the biggest challenge that Africa has is that these in indigenous ingredients of ours are shunned and looked down on as, as a poor person's food or food that you eat when the wallet is, is dry. Um, but if we have that um, knowledge passed on, you know, to say, no, this, this, this is not food to, to look for when you're feeling sick, but it's food that we should have in, in our diets whenever it's uh, available. Wow. Uh, uh, 
Thank you very much, Rumbi, for that. Uh, I really got uh, the information on the, the, the vegetables that are available in Zimbabwe. You know, it's quite a lot to hear from someone who says this is available, this is available. And to actually mention that it's 83 times like more iron rich than spinach, of which most of the people like run to spinach, even where I, I stay, a lot of people tell you if you like iron, eat a lot of spinach. If you like iron, eat a lot of spinach. And, you know, it's it's sometimes hard to get uh, the spinach because it's not everyone who grows spinach, unlike corvo and some of those vegetables that we always grow at home. So thank you very much for um, opening us to see that there's really a lot that we can eat, a lot that we can have as Africans. Uh, I'm trying to get hold of Sylvester, but it seems like uh, he's no longer online. But then uh, I know Makosi is also one of the people who is it, who is into food processing. Uh, Makosi, can you help us? Uh, where are we going wrong as food processors in Africa? Because um, evening, everyone. into other um, things. Yes, um, basically I'm involved also in food processing. So there's a lot that needs uh, to be done. So we've got uh, food clues that were there from the past. And then we've got the modern uh, food clues. So in terms of us going forward, we need to go back. So that has always been my, my policy. So um, I know our food from the villages. Um, it's nutritious, it's uh, really good, but we've never really put science into our food. So generally what we are doing at the moment is we've got science back into the villages. Um, interestingly is um, in terms of food processing, if there were people who were at the ZITF, they realized that um, um, a lecturer at the Lupane State University, and we we designed numerous products that came from the villages, including um, a sweetener coming from uh, sweet treats. So that's that's a, a product that's coming out. So instead of everyone being uh, heavily um, like dependent on chirets, we also have these places which can produce sugar. So there's a lot that there, but um, the job needs to be done. So the, the the future looks bright. So in terms of also the iron, um, I think uh, we've always looked at iron sources like insects as being unfashionable, but we, we were changing that because uh, the team I'm working with involves so many people. So it's 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 a movement actually. We were redefining the food systems. Thank you. Wow, thank you very much, uh, Makosi, for that. Uh, it seems there was someone who wanted to say something. Uh, hi, Rumbi. Yes, I would just like to make a comment on what Makosi just said. Um, in in where he was talking about bringing science into the the villages in the rural areas where 
most of this food is found. Um, I just wanted to make a note also on how important it is to bring in, um, you know, in, in, innovative ways of harvesting and processing um, the food. One good example is, for example, finger millet or our small grains. Uh, you'll find that if it is not harvested properly and, and, and processed properly, that's where you end up with the grit and the stone in the in the grain. When when somebody now cooks the sadza or the porridge, they may not fully enjoy it because of the grit and the grain. Um, but when we improve the way in which it is harvested and then processed, of course, without losing any of the nutrients, then you open it up to a lot more people. To, to try the food and also enjoy it. Because for some that can just be a put off to say, you know, it's gritty. So they, they wouldn't want to try it again, even though it's it's healthy for them. Okay, okay, yes, I understand. Yeah, really, especially uh, the new generation, <laughs> the social media calls it, I'm a 2000. Uh, so there are a lot of things that can hinder how we perceive the food that is really good for us. Uh, this has really been like uh, an eye-opening discussion. I thought I had read a lot on iron deficiency and knew a lot, but it seems like, you know, there's not really much that I knew. <laughs> and I, I'm sort of embarrassed to say, I live in Africa, I'm an African woman, and I don't know all these things about my heritage and my culture and how it can help me. But then I'm sure that um, as we carry on, as we shed more light, uh, we are going to change all of that. So because everyone has said something that is very interesting, I would like us to move on to the question, what can be done in the coming years to ensure that African women are free from iron deficiency because you have mentioned that Africa is rich in iron. So what can be done? Because uh, African women are one of the women who are suffering from suffering most from iron deficiency. So how can we help these women? Uh, starting with uh, Doc Norma, uh, you can answer that for us. Okay, thank you, Rumbi. So for me, because I'm a nutritionist and um, I have a bit of background um, on physiology, I would think it's important to disseminate as much information as we can, not necessarily about what has iron and what should be eaten, but also on how to eat your iron sources to maximize I think most of the speakers um, touched on bioavailability. I, I feel like people are eating these vegetables, but they are eating them wrongly. So having it on the plate doesn't necessarily mean that it's in the bloodstream already. There's a lot of metabolism that takes place. And um, like I mentioned earlier, iron absorption is dependent on certain nutrients or on the availability of certain nutrients. It's inhibited by some, 
and its absorption is also promoted by some. So I think we need to educate these women and everyone else actually about how to maximize your iron absorption. It's important that people know the sources, but it's also important for them to know how to eat their foods in order to get more iron from their meals. I think for me, that's key. Oh, thank you very much, Doc. Uh, it's important for people to know how to get the iron from the food. Uh, moving on to Makosi, uh, what can be done in these coming years? We're looking at uh, two, three, four years, or maybe Vision 2030, who knows? What can be done to ensure that African women across Africa uh, have, have their iron status increased? Um, I think uh, with me, uh, I've always been about decolonizing the, the food. I think we, we need to start waking up uh, uh, from the dilemma that we have where we are moving into being ambassadors of foreign food, which relatively are overprocessed and have very little nutrients. So the whole thing is that uh, the African woman should respect her Africanness, and it means um, respecting nature, respecting her own food. That's what Ma Ma Mama Africa is about. So Mama Africa is someone who has self-actualization, someone who knows her environment, someone who will embrace the, the, the food culture that's there and um, just generally diversify her diet in, in terms of meals that we're having. So there's a lot that needs to be done. I think the main thing is just decolonizing our, our food. I think that would involve a lot of things like uh, uh, disseminating information to schools about how good our food is. Um, and then I also heard uh, an interesting point about the about the soccer, um the sand. I know that's a big topic, but uh, currently at the university we're working on that one. So I think it won't be a problem in a year or two. Uh, we've got companies we're working with, so we are actually pushing for our food to be the best. If so. Uh, that's what we're talking about, decolonizing and having rich food coming from our rich soil and coming from our rich insects and our rich food. Thank you. Thank you very much, Makosi, uh, for the passion on decolonizing our food. I am sure that if we move in that regard, we will achieve a lot and also serve uh, a, a more communities because you find out that some of the foods that are iron rich are, are actually expensive you know so maybe if we have something coming from Lupani something coming from Mutari or coming from Binga there it will be easier and at a low cost you know and if actually if it is being produced by the people there 
So thank you very much for that. And moving on to Tracy, our research expert. Tracy, what can be done? You're a research person, you're a plant enthusiast. Please tell us what can be done in the coming years uh, to, make, to make sure that iron deficiency really like goes on a big law. Or oh, it seems like we have lost Tracy. Uh, her network is now down. Uh, I'm sure we can go on to Rumbi as we close. Uh, what do you think can be done? Your views on what we can do and how we can ensure that women have a high iron status in the coming years. Thanks, Rumbi. Um, I agree with uh, the, the fellow panelists on, on the things that they have said. I'll just add there, you know, that in addition to raising awareness, something that I already mentioned, that there need to be more creative ways in which the indigenous foods can be prepared. And, and this will encourage more takers to join the movement. Uh, we all know the saying that uh, variety is the spice of life. So we need variety and to spice things up so that more takers can, can join. Thank you very much, Rumbi. Variety is the spice of life. I got that one. I got that one. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for joining in. Those watching us on Facebook and other various platforms, thank you very much for tuning in and for listening to this uh, informative uh, conference. I'm really, I'm one of the people who is very grateful for the information that has been shared today because now I feel like there is hope for every African woman, uh, those in the low income, those in the medium and those in high income communities. I think there is something for everyone. You know, everyone can join in and help the movement as we increase our iron status. So please, uh, to our conveners, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for sharing such informative uh, things on iron deficiency and you're pouring your heart out you know it's so interesting to find people sharing how their views and openly sharing information that they've gathered and what they are doing so thank you very much for sharing all the information that you have shared with us today I assure you that uh, one way or the other will ensure that we implement all of the things that she has said, if not all, at least 70% to ensure that women in Africa increase their iron status. Uh, thank you very much for this. Uh, I'm sure that this is the end of our meeting. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone, and a good night to you 